Luke presents Jesus as the Son of God who will give voice for the disenfranchised, heal the sick, feed the hungry. Jesus' ministry is about to begin. A son that is fully human and fully God, yet still a son. Jesus will be led into temptation, not unlike the way that you and I are, but his is amped up a tad. Notice that the dove, the spirit, the new mother, Ruach, that has descended on Jesus, led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Hopefully it's right at this moment. The words are popping into your mind. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Notice the temptations of Jesus are not to do bad or unrighteous things, but to do the things that were considered good, supported by tradition and scripture. Notice the devil can quote scripture. Notice, too, that the temptations are all to human hunger, power, and status. Jesus is being tempted to renounce the use of his, a God-given power, in a way that would make himself serving instead of God serving. His task in his baptism is to fulfill all righteousness, God's righteousness, not to promote his righteousness. Jesus has come to fulfill the laws of God, not to abolish them. Hasatan is not attempting to raise doubts in Jesus' mind. He actually is making a series of arguments on facts that are assumed to be true. The dispute is not whether Jesus is the Son of God, but what it means to, to Jesus, to be the Son of God. There was an expectation by the Jews that the Messiah would reproduce the miracles of manna and that there would be a lavish supply of food in the Messianic time. Jesus is being tempted to show that he is really qualified to be the Messiah, the Son of God. Heck, you not only can alleviate your hunger, Jesus, turn these stones into bread for everybody to eat. That will prove that you are the Messiah. Just use your divine powers given to you by God. The argument is, is not only for Jesus to use his divine power for his own, his own advantage to alleviate his hunger, thereby denying his humanity and trust in God, but also to use his divine power to help everyone, especially the hungry, the people of God. Oh, the power you'll have with the people, Jesus. But Jesus was prepared. He was disciplined in mind and body and spirit. Jesus did the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. He does not give in to temptation, and he is delivered from evil. The thing he needs to live on or buy is by God's words. The spirit that's indwelling inside of him, the indwelling spirit of God. He could have turned the stones into bread, but later when he saw thousands of hungry people, he turned five loaves into a feast for all. He feeds the people by God's bidding, not his he could have jumped off the temple to show he was the Son of God. Later, he shows he is the Son of God to the disciples by walking on water. He could have ruled this world and all its people if only he would just worship the devil. Later, he chose to live in the world and be like one of us, just like you and me. 
He even paid his taxes by means of a miraculous catch of a fish with a coin in its mouth. You see, Satan wanted to see whether or not Jesus would crumble, whether or not he would succumb to the temptations and take up the lies offered up in clever manipulation of the facts, the texts, the proof texts of the Word of God, of Scripture. I don't know about you, but seeing that Satan knew the biblical texts as well as, well, God, makes me very uncomfortable. In fact, it downright scares the heck out of me. Even more to the point, as I listened to this text and read it, it reminds me of all the Bible thumpers out there, all the hawking their wares of self-improvement, of prosperity gospels, of power and superiority over others, the we-know-better crowd. Satan didn't believe a single word of what he said. Perhaps, and I hope, the Bible thumpers don't either. But after a few tries, Satan had met his match to wait for another opportunity. There's been dialogue in churches these days and on social media of bringing back memorization as a means for teaching the foundations of faith. You read about the biblical illiteracy being widespread. You read about it. You, you, you hear about worship attendance being at an all-time low. Innovative liturgy is trumping ancient creeds. Contemporary worship services versus traditional worship services. Will this really change things or make them worse? Will God know the difference? Will God really care? Will knowing the answer to the question, what is the chief end of man? To glorify and enjoy God forever really make a difference? Will it really make a difference? There's also the other side of the coin that says all that matters is to be a good person and to do the right thing. What does it matter if we know man's chief end or the Lord's prayer or the Apostles' Creed or Amazing Grace or how great thou art? Well, we should know how great thou art. Can't we just pull it up on our smartphones or our, our tablets? As Christians and especially Presbyterians, I believe that it does matter about the words of the confessions, the words of prayers and creeds. They need to be in our bones, etched in our hearts, and not just our smartphones. I believe it because those are the things that we hang on to when all hell breaks loose. And the devil is more than just at our doorstep. Or when we are famished and wandering in the wilderness, uncertain if there will ever be manna, water, or a way out. They are what remain when all we thought was certain slips through our fingers. It's like as prisoners of war, John McCain, Howard Rutledge, and Harry Jenkins would hum a familiar hymn, pass on familiar and memorize verses and confessions that they learned when in Sunday school and in church. Those were the gentlemen. They, they spent years in Vietnam in captivity. Those would be the things that would make being in captivity bearable. As Rutledge would say, seven years of captivity made bearable by the texts. The one thing they all exclaimed that they did regret was not memorizing more. That's where they found solace in their time 
of need and torment, and the power of death surrounded them. It is in that torment, in that surrounding, that the memories of those texts and words came back because they were etched in their hearts. I want you to notice the, as Jill Duffield pointed out, she said, the diabolical dialogue that Satan has with Jesus and that Jesus responds to all three threats with Scripture. All responses are from Deuteronomy. Jesus goes back to the faith of his childhood. Those catechisms, those ones that were written in his heart, those wrote prayers that he repeated oh so many times, so often that didn't leave him when he needed them the most. I wonder, have you ever experienced that kind of diabolical dialogue? We all need and have the need or circumstance, if you would, at some point in our lives, perhaps in the loneliness of a waiting room, a chapel, or a gravesite, perhaps as we stand at the foot of a bed, or as we sit in a doctor's office. We all will have that moment in time. We all will have that moment, yes, young or old, the moment will come. I urge you, don't let the temptations of short-term gains distract you. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. We've been given the abundant gift of grace. And I was re reminded of that by a member just the other day, that grace abounds and is all around us. We just need to open our eyes to see it because it's the free gift of righteousness that cost you and I absolutely nothing but cost God the only son, everything, including his life. Folks, grace abounds. Death is defeated and forgiveness of sins and eternal life has come through his selfless act. He saved the world, sitting on the right hand of God to judge the living and the dead. Jesus knew and we must understand it is crucial that distractions, evil, and the promises of this world are mute because this world can give us nothing. God gives us everything that we need to live. So if you fast this Lenten season, and some of you will, I pray all of you do as a friend of mine who serves in Washington, D.C. sent me this afternoon about fasting from distractions. Fast from hurting words. Build people up. Fast from bitterness, be filled with joy. Fast from anger, be filled with peace. Fast from pessimism, he be filled with hope. Fast from worries, trust in God. Fast from complaining, simplify your life. Fast from the pressures of today, take a breath and pray. Fast from selfishness, become compassionate. Fast from holding a grudge, Offer forgiveness. Fast from pushing away. Pull others close. Fast from animosity. Show love. 